and do re me. Okay, let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a Hashing It Out Personals episode. Uh, you know me. I'm your host, one of the hosts, D, a.k.a. Black Zordon, a.k.a. Fergalotti, a.k.a. 007.5. All verified names. Uh, today, we have a guest, special guest, uh, Dr. Andy Boyan, um, GPP turned elevated past GPP, founder, CEO, president, uh, puzzle creator, extraordinaire, leader over at Infinity Keys, um, father, husband, has better hair than you, uh, Andy, Dr. Andy Boyan. <laughs> Welcome to the Hashing Out Personal. Thank you for having me on. I am super happy to be here. I've known you guys for ages and ages now. And so uh, uh, it's great great to hang out and chat a little bit about what we got going on. Very nice. And ages is true because one regular year is like 17 years in crypto, right? Like it's like dog years. Yeah, we've been through some times. <laughs> That's for sure. That 2019 session was rough, was long and rough. It's not a pleasant, but uh, you know, good company to make it through. And I think most of us are still around. But you stuck through it, you know. You stuck through the. I mean, living in crypto is kind of like I don't know. Like one day you have a bed, the next day you're sleeping on cactus, and the next day you have a luxurious bed, and the, the day after that you're sleeping on nails. Like it's very upsy downsy. I, I had a fortunate occurrence happen, and so when, when I got into crypto. Um, I was looking for use cases. And so I came in in 2017 when the money got hot, like I came in right before. So I saw $20 turn into a hundred dollars fast. And so, so, whoa, that, that, that was fast. Well, why did that happen? And then I just started digging in and learned about smart contract use cases pretty quick through, um, Laura Shin's podcast. And I was like, there's knowledge here. I need to find every other podcast. And so I did. I went and listened to every single crypto pro podcast, which included the Bitcoin podcast, um, which was very shortly thereafter also hashing it out. And then you guys had a Slack. And so I joined the Slack and getting plugged in there um, with a group of people who were not only concerned with the financial aspects. The financial aspects are a um, a reason why stuff people are incentivized to do these interesting things and that keep things secure and balanced. Having that as like a, a foothold just cemented where I was. And so I, I was fortunate to find the community that we have and the people that are still in there, um, whether they're newer or older um, uh, folks who have been around. Like that, That's why I'm still here. It's because of you guys and what you guys built and the people that are that are still in there today. Yeah, man. We, uh, we're slow growing a community in crypto. We're hoping that. We get our own little corner real estate and crypto in the in the Slack. If you guys, this is a good time. Hold on a second. Join the Slack. Come join us. You can have conversations with the likes of myself, uh, Corey, Jesse, Christian, uh, and everybody else in the Slack that's doing great things. Right at this point, we have like founders in there, builders in there, investors in there. There's a whole slew of people in there. But anyway, people move. People there. There's a progression where people move from enthusiasts to investors, to technologists, to founders, <laughs> like, like it, it's very clear. And there's like, you know, these kind of cohorts that have gone through and, and you can kind of see where people are in their journey. And it's, it's, it's cool to see. And like, it feels like a, 
a force. Like regardless of how many people are in there, it doesn't matter. It's about like quality of people. People are in there doing really interesting things and have for, for years and years. So props to the Slack, man. Let's uh let's keep it personal. Let's let's go back to like what were you doing on the daily before crypto creeped into your psyche and started to kidnap all of your brain cells? Like what was your what was the daily life of Dr. Boyd? So uh, I was a professor at a small private liberal arts college um, for nine years, and uh, <clears throat> I researched and taught about new media phenomena, um, and and mainly video game mechanics. So when I when I started uh, graduate school, I did because uh, I was kind of good at it, and I wasn't good at other stuff. And so like let's just keep going to school. Um, but but in particular, there was one scholar who knew what he was talking about with video when it came to video games and, and effects. And at the time, people were really interested in video game violence. And so they would say uh, these scientists would look at Mortal Kombat and say, OK, there's blood there and murder. That must be what kids are learning. And then that's determined the entire scientific um, community for, for 10 years, uh, which was stupid. It was, it's just totally asinine. Um, for anybody who's played a video game, that's not how you learn. And that's not what you learn is like, how do I rip someone's spine out? That's not like the, what, what you're learning. You're learning the button combinations, right? Like, how, well, how do I do this in the right time to get my thing over? So then Sub-Zero on the screen will do this hilarious, disgusting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was so clear to me like that people are learning other stuff besides what the content on the screen. And so that that's what I went to school for is to um, try and explain that and try and study that. And I was fortunate enough to find a mentor who was all about it and supported it and, and had some really interesting ideas of his own. Uh, and so that's what I studied is game mechanics. Um, when I played world of Warcraft, I still don't know the characters names or like the story. I know some of them, but like, I never paid attention to that stuff. I paid attention to the mechanics, like the shot rotation and mana efficiency and, and like, you know, all, all the, all the mechanics, the stuff behind the game that actually th- the stuff that you do. Um, when I played Tekken, I played Tekken three. Anybody want to step to me? I will still play Tekken three, but like, I still remember. <laughs> I will combos. take that challenge. Sir, we can play some Tekken and I will lose, but I will hit you at least twice with Brian Fury. That's it. That's all I got. That's all right. Brian Fury's a little slow, but you know, he's good. Why that, wait, wait a second. Why'd you make that face? Like, oh, this this bitch uses Brian Fury. No, like, Brian, it, that's good. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not the most technical, but that's okay. No, you don't need technical for everybody. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But like, <laughs> I, I still remember combos, and I haven't played that game for 10 years, and that's because I didn't learn how to do Muay Thai with Brian Fury. I learned the mechanics of the game. What's the hitbox? You know, how, how do these things work? So, that, so that's what kind of got me down the path of understanding technology systems. I was interested in like, what makes these systems work? Why, why do people, what do people learn when they do them? Um, what happens when people push the boundaries of those? Um, and that's what, you know, a lot of my research uh, and teaching career was also about because, because if you take that, the step beyond video games and you say, okay, new social media systems, how do we understand those? Well, to me, the answer was like, well, let's look at the mechanics of the system and see what it allows you to do and see what it encourages and discourages and et cetera. So you can look at Twitter and YouTube and all those things that came out when I was in grad school, um, which dates me uh, significantly, but hey, that's it. Um, but but that that's what I studied. That's what I was interested in. And so when crypto popped up, well, well I got tenure is what happened. And, and so I could look at whatever I wanted. You could start looking for weird stuff when you get tenure. Um, 
But so when I looked at uh, augmented reality and virtual reality and big data and, you know, it's all interesting new technology, but all right, what's this Bitcoin thing? I, I got to find out about it. That, that's what really pulled me in is like, well, what are the features of the system? Um, why do the incentives work? How, how is the system built in a way for people to use it? Um, so not down to the code level, I'm not that technical, but understanding how systems work um, it, it was really a force for change in my life. Like, you know, to, to take that from gaming and digital media systems to economic systems. Like, whoa, that's, this is a whole new game. Um, yeah, that, that's how I got where I, where I was going. Wait a second, wait a second. So you threw tenure to the wayside to go down the crypto rabbit hole. That That's did strong. come up in a conversation with my provost. Yes. He was like, you know, <laughs> you basically can't fire you. And I was like, yeah, I know. But uh, but I can't quit. No, I'm playing. I'm just, just damn, dude. That's that is uh, that's strong. That's a strong statement. I have some comments or some questions. The first is, do you remember your worst student as a professor and the most stringent feedback you had to give them? Uh, and you can name names because the world needs to know who that person is. So um, bad students are great. Bad students, this guy. Uh, Go on. bad students make you work for it and they want to challenge you and they're not doing this or doing that for some reason. And so, so I, 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 bad student is a weird thing The the worst students are apathetic students who don't care and don't show up. And I don't remember, they didn't care. They didn't show up. And so uh, I'll invest in you, what you invest in me. And so, so, so I don't have a good answer to that question. Um, mm. I do remember giving people life advice in college uh, as a professor and advisor and after, like when I've gone back and spoken to um, college students, which is just care about something, care about it a lot. And whatever that is, if you care about it a lot and really put forth the effort, it'll pay dividends. That That's what, that that's how to make it worth it is just find something to care about. And if you don't know what you care about, then go figure it out. Like that's your job in college in particular. And we've had this conversation with with friends as well, because Dr. Corey Petty and I have kind of a good history in academia and, and some really positive experiences. And so some people come through the Slack and they're like, college sucks. It's not worth it. It's all a scam. I'm like, well, it, it's what you make of it. And so that's my advice is, yeah, if you're a bad student and you don't care about anything, like try. How about that? How about you try something and, and put forth honest, genuine effort um, and then see. And, and sometimes that takes a long time. Like it's not an easy process of finding what fits your vibe or, or, you know, speaks to your soul or whatever it happens to be. But that's, it's pretty critical, um, to living a life in general, not just succeeding at college, but like, what are you going to care about? Nice. No bad students. I'd like to give a special shout out to my fourth grade teacher, Miss Boshi. Man, I got Told bad you. grades in college. I, I'm not like some four point Ivy leaguer. I went to state schools, you know, I skated by with just above a three point in high school to make sure I could get into a college. Um, <laughs> first two years, I flunked out of my first college because of extracurricular herbal activities. And Tekken, we played a lot of Tekken. <laughs> um, I was not a good student, but, you know, I had enough life experiences in college where I left for a little while, I took a break and realized like, nah, I want to go do this and do it properly. Um, I was a bad student. Yeah, what I'm talking about me, you both, and you both. Um, so I guess an obvious question, and this question is coming from the audience: uh, Why not game development? I mean, you 
you got all this history, you got all this passion towards games, you know the mechanics, you're going for hitboxes, which if we play fighting games together and I found out you were researching hitboxes, I, I would be upset with you. I'd be like, this guy, this, this fucking guy. But anyways, why not game development? Crypto has such a hold that you you just were like, nah, I'm going to take all this passion, all this research, and I'm, I'm going that way with it. Um, so there are, there's many jobs in the world and there's many fits for different people and learning your own brain and what it needs and how it works is really critical. And, uh, one of my greatest weaknesses is attention to hyper precise grammatic detail. I'm, I'm not great at it. To see a tweet come out on my official accounts on the infinity keys account once in a while with a little typo in it that happens. Um, and to be a developer really, and especially at the time, like in the nineties and, and early aughts, you had to learn the grammar and the language and be so precise. And it was this like smash your head against the wall and learn it, um, sort of thing. Uh, I'm just not very good at it. So th those first levels, like they didn't inspire me. And you, you hear these great stories of people who become great engineers. They're like, well, I had a problem I wanted to solve. And so I had to learn this thing to do, to solve the problem. I never had that problem. There was never a problem that I needed to solve with software. Instead, the problems that I wanted to solve were, um, there were creative problems. How do I get people to come along on a journey with me? And the answer was telling stories. That's what it was. And so, so you know, uh, you can hook people with stories and you can hook people with games and games like inspire imagination. I didn't need to build that. I could tell that story. I, I dungeon master. So I DM because I can use this and I, that's like, oh man, that speaks to my soul right there, creating a world and getting people to play along and do that sort of thing. So when it came down to, do I want to build games? The answer is yes, but I don't want to, you know, create the bricks um, and, and that sort of thing. Plus, you know, the more, the more you work in that space, what I learned is, is game development. Um, a lot of it turns out, especially the major studios turns out to be, um, um, what's the word like getting your chops no like getting your street cred working through the shit part it sucks real bad like game dev is a factory and you've got to really put in the time and be good to work your way up um whereas i was creative and i could write and i could think and so asking the questions and having interesting answers as an academic that that made a lot of sense to me and it was very enriching um, mm -hmm. as well so i mean it's not like i never made games i made games i didn't develop games um, and, and I think there's, you know, a subtle difference there. Um, but you know, board games, you make your own board games, you make your own D and D games, make games with my kids. Like we just play games all the time. They're not formal. They're not created. They're not published, but it's still making games. I have a very loose okay. definition of things like what is a gamer? Um, you know, w when we came up being a gamer meant a particular thing, you would spend 24 hour mm -hmm. sessions doing Starcraft. You would do, uh, ball runs you would grind right you would play your um diablo 2 max your diablo character or whatever it was um and that th that's what i thought i was for a while but then like like i really i became a father and i didn't have time for it but i knew i was still a gamer and like now I, I play games every day but i play wordle every day and it does not take me hours i don't need to grind i do it once a day it takes me five minutes and i am a, still a gamer because i play casual games and I, and I realized like a lot of the conversation about like, what's a gamer ex was meant to be exclusionary. It was meant to exclude people like playing solitaire Man, solitaire's game. Um, solitaire is an awesome game. It's, it's stood the test of time. It's fantastic. Chess. Those are gamers. 
uh, crossword puzzles. You do it in the paper. Like people are gamers and they get their fix for games in different way. And, and, and part of the reason I came to this conclusion is the evolutionary history of play. Play is a cross species phenomenon. It's not a human phenomenon. Animals play, fish play. Like it's, it's a really weird phenomenon because of the way it works in our evolutionary history. It doesn't mean you have to like be super dedicated and grind in this one particular way. Um, so uh, gaming, why am I not a game developer? I am. I did. I went down that path, not computer programming, but I am making games and I have been for ever, ages. Mm. There's, it's very interesting you mentioned that. It, I've even, I've kind of leveraged that phenomenon you called it in my own life. I used to give these um, seminars, I think this is what we called them, the company I worked with. And I mine that I made was entitled The Gamification of the Day-to-Day. And I challenged those mid-level managers to gamify the days for their teams that weren't quite being as productive as they knew they could. You know, We know we can get 25 widgets an hour, but we're only getting 10. Just gamify it. Say, hey, man, I bet if you get 20 today, I'll buy you lunch. Or I bet you can't get 20. It's a simple game, but if you got people on your team with the merit, they're just going to buy into that, and they're going to be like, I, I bet you I can. I'll get 20. Right. So, um, but anyways, it's very phenomenal, interesting phenomenon you talk about. No, not, not anyways. That's the key, man. That's it. How do we gamify experiences so that, that they're authentic and they help motivate people? We're in the business. Like if I can turn this to crypto, we're in the industry of incentives. Everything works because of incentives. And how many kinds of incentives do we have? We have two. We have bribery. We get paid to do stuff. And that's an important incentive. I need to get paid. I got to kids got braces like all that stuff the other one is regulatory incentives we don't want to get arrested right like oh i'm not going to do a token sale because i got to go through all these loopholes and you know all these hoops and things like that so i think there's two kind of core incentives but there's a lot more that we can tap into and highlight and feature so um games are one of them games and playing games and having that sort of challenge and overcoming things that is an incentive that humans have relied on for a very long time. And in Web 2 and in, in, in video games, there's a lots of, um, I see Petty's chat popping up. I'm trying to ignore him so I can focus on what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> stop it, Petty. Questions from the audience are yeah, flying in. But, but, but gamification is at least one more incentive that we can now leverage. And one thing we know about crypto is people like to play games with it. They like to optimize and that's a game sort of thing. They like to give themselves challenges. They like to compete. There's a lot of different sort of elements of, of gaming and gamification that we can use to bring forth other kinds of behaviors in people and maybe rely a little bit less on pure incentive, uh, financial incentive behaviors. So I think that, I think it's very interesting to see your journey because you know you mentioned earlier in the show like you you joined the Slack. I think you met Corey in, like at a conference and then you joined the Slack, and it's just been interesting to see your development. I want to get the audience uh, in tune a little bit more with that development. So then you start like I guess your crypto career. Well, put that in quotation. Well, that was Chainlink, right? No, that wasn't start. That was that's like. My start was uh, I worked for this fintech, and they were gonna um, do uh, some crypto play. This was you know 2018, and 
And so I, I was helping them with a white paper and helping them structure like how to explain crypto to banking partners and stuff like that. And so I worked for them for a while as crypto tanked in 2018. And I stopped, we stopped doing crypto at all. They abandoned the whole thing, but I just worked for them. I did biz dev public sector. And so like, um, yeah, I, we worked with MasterCard and Department of Education, all sorts of like these big clients sort of things. <clears throat> but then um, when I was still into crypto and I was doing it on the side a bunch. And then eventually I worked for status. So that's how I, I think I do, I do petty before that. Um, but there was a, an opening for marketing. And so I was like, well, I could do this part-time while I do my job. And so I did. And that job was status um, had released their mobile app and they needed someone to, to write um, blog posts and, and social and, and do these sorts of things about like how to use apps, decentralized apps in the status browser. And so this was like late 2019, early 2020 and um DeFi hadn't blown up yet and so like, i got got in on like how to do uniswap on here and how to use all these decentralized protocols in the status app and stuff like that so that was my real start in, in actually working um at a job for crypto before that shout out to my boy ken and cyphercore um and jay who is in cyphercore as well because i started freelancing for them writing about the cosmos ecosystem even before that that was just you know one-off articles once in a while but uh, yeah, Ken was the first guy to actually give me tokens for, for work and effort there, which is hilarious because he didn't have any money. He, <laughs> he paid me uh, in tokens. <laughs> yeah, I see Jesse. Yeah, we, we all did a little time for Ken once in a while. Dude, that, that guy hustles. He's still a good friend. I talk to him every week. Uh, I talk to him on the regular. It's, the risk reward for getting paid in tokens is so, so high. So, so, so high. I think there's, I think I have mountains of tokens that are worth probably the dust that I sweep off my floor every week. <laughs> but... So, so I got paid in this one that, um, that I, I, I got a bunch and I held on to because you, you know, I don't know, you know, I just hang on to them forever and who knows. And, and this week it goes bonkers because of this China thing that happened, whatever the narrative is. But I can't find the keys. I don't know where I put them oh, on Swiss phones since then. Like it's the classic case of like, uh, like because when I came in, it's like, how could you misplace your Bitcoin keys? Like, how foolish are you? Now, did I you ghost like, walk? Yeah, I, I don't know where it is. Do you know what the Do you know what ghost walking is? No, no. What's that? When you think you have, or you've actually forgotten, like where the private keys are, so you have to go. Like if like you have to go outside of your body to remember what you did the past three years of life and like where you could have possibly put it and then you're tagging all. I think there was one private key in particular I thought I'd lost and I had to like, I swear I had to like psychically connect with Corey and he like patched into me and I was like, what what did I do? And then there was one private key where I made a riddle, riddle so hard I can't solve it. <laughs> so it's just gone. It's just money that's gone forever. And hey, I was like, make it an like, infinity keys puzzle. <laughs> I was like, why did I Da Vinci key myself out of my own fucking wallet? And like, so I can't. I like, I put the passphrase, and then I triple. Uh, I use one of those like uh, uh, those calculators that where you put in a phrase and then it'll spit out a uh, mm -hmm. hash. And then so like I triple hashed it, and then I put a riddle to how I could get. It was stupid because now yeah. I'm locked out of that wallet forever. I I'm never gonna find that that hash that unlocks it. But I mean, I, oh, I've man, been through the so uh, anyway. So you know, how many ledgers do I got 
somewhere. <laughs> and so I pull out the one. I'm going to log in. I'm going to you know, do my, my my quick thing on my pretty my hot ledger, and it won't go. And I bork it three times. Now I got to find the seed. And then it turns out it was just the wrong ledger the whole time. And now I, <laughs> you, you do that. I do that once every couple of years. That's, that's all it is, right? Everybody does it, and it's fine. You ghost walk for a second. It's not oh. fine, actually. It's a, you know, it's a UX issue. I need to. We all need to be better about it. But uh, if you're in crypto yeah, but, and you've never had to ghost walk, then you're not participating quite enough. You, there should be a moment where you're like, "Oh my God, where did the how?" But um, anyways, so and then so you were working a little bit for Ken. You know, scrapping some tokens. He's throwing you bags, bags of gold. Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, uh, well, it wasn't just that. So. Um, the work we did, they were a node operator. They still are, Cosmos node operator. And um, so, so they wanted to write articles featuring the projects that they staked with and like explain how it works. And so it was reading white papers of websites and communities and then explaining it in layman's terms as to what is this, which aligned really perfectly with, um, uh, with my uh, academic work because I was taking complex issues and then teaching them to undergraduates in simple ways so that they would understand them and apply them. So it fit really nicely. And that was kind of the first really niche place where I saw myself as a value add to the crypto ecosystem. It wasn't as a developer or an engineer or a computer scientist, but like, oh, I can explain things to people um, that that they'll understand. And, and I still like kids, teenagers and kids, like I explain decentralized networks. My kid just asked me like an hour ago, what a, what's a node operator? What does a node operator do? Here we go. I was born for this. Let's go. Um, so that that's really where I got my, my foothold. And then that was status too. That was the same thing. It's like, how does this work? How do we fit it together and kind of explain this use case? Um, yeah. So journey's going. And now it's culminated to a point in, in your timeline where you found yourself as a founder, and you've created a project. You've created a, a, a project that is guiding the, the uh, crypto enthusiasts and gamifying them towards learning about crypto. That is my elevator pitch for my 10,000 mile view of the project. But I'm going to let you um, elaborate on what's going on over there with Infinity Keys. Well, I call us a gamified task reward platform. That's that's what I tell the investors so that they immediately know, okay, I'm doing stuff and I get a reward for it, but it's gamified. So I'm not just doing stuff. I'm doing gamified stuff. I'm playing games and then getting stuff and, and it's a platform. So it's not just a game. It's a platform, which means somebody else, another project, Texture Punks, for example, they come to come to us and use Infinity Keys to create a side quest. And that there there is one. If you have a Texture Punk, Go check out Infinity Keys. There's this quest line that's starting. There's two two challenges, um, and there's more coming. Um, where you can kind of build these sort of side things. Now, um, there's a lot of reasons to do that, and and that's where it gets into kind of these individual use cases. What do people want to build them for? The core reason is it's engaging. People like playing games, and so we want them to be able to play games. Uh, so what happened with Texture Punks, for example, we made this. Um, have you guys interviewed Texture? You should get them on here, by the way. Um, uh, we, we made this little game and then the community, they went and, and minted uh, the Texture Punks and they got involved. And then they're looking for stuff to do. In NFT projects, people start looking at floor price. They start complaining right away. And so instead of that, 
they all play the infinity keys game. And now people are asking about keys and solving riddles and having fun. And we, we see this sort of um, emergent phenomenon happen in discords where these, these games are launched, where people start interacting about these other sorts of things. That's what infinity keys is. There's a platform to make that stuff possible. And we use Web3 assets when it's appropriate. Most of the time right now we're using NFTs and Web3 assets. Um, uh, but you don't always have to. Um, so so that's the, the core of Infinity Keys is how can we use games to get people to do stuff, which ties back to my whole original thesis and, and concept um, for games research. But then we just brought it over to crypto because I think crypto needs new incentive systems and communities need stuff to do that's not just talking about the financial elements of what what is this NFT or what is this token going to moon. We need smarter incentives and, and smarter conversations. And... And we can't expect too much of people, so we got to give them stuff to do. So that's what Infinity Keys is there for: is like let's give people stuff to do, and let's help people find a way to build those systems and and help them engage. Now, to your point, like is it an onboarding mechanism? Sure, can be. Um, absolutely, it doesn't have to be, but it sure can be, and that's how we're positioning ourselves to a lot of projects. So, um, Avagachi, we're, we're partnering with Avagachi. The DAO proposal has passed. They're giving us funding. They're a partner, huge game. It's killer for us. We're very excited. Um, but but starting to play Avagachi is actually really hard. It's pretty expensive. You got to get a Gachi and it's expensive. And if you haven't gotten a Gachi, then you can rent one. But like, how do you do that? And which one? Like all that stuff is a pretty high barrier to entry. Plus it's already on Polygon and it's in crypto. And so like you're, you're, it, it takes a little while to get there, which means they got a little problem of onboarding new users. So what we're doing for them is we're greatly simplifying the onboarding process to give people a little taste. And it's a gamified taste. It's not just do X, do Y, do Z, free tokens, sprinkle, sprinkle, magic tokens. It is, it has a plot, it has art, it has story. And it's it's not crazy complex. It's reasonably simple, but it is something that you can take a link and you can send it to your friend and say, here, check this out. And you can go and at least see what I'm talking about. And then if you're interested, you can take those next steps. That's what Infinity Keys is for. It's for the sharing. Now, now here's here's where the exciting thing, though. I know you got questions because you, you're good at that. But <laughs> here's, here, here's what's special about it. It's not just giving people stuff to do. It's using composable assets. Okay, so here's where crypto comes in. If we use composable assets, you do an achievement, you earn an NFT reward. Now, anybody, because it's a permissionless system, anybody can use that reward that your players have, can make that a requirement in their quest. So now we, we can build progressive questing, but anybody can do it. And so anybody can build their own branches of questing, and we can have this uh, uh, like supercharged, squared, cubed, uh, exponential layer of, um, of questing and achievements and things to do across the crypto ecosystem. Now, to me... That's the metaverse. I don't care about 3D pixels. I don't care about Minecraft looking stuff. They're cool. They're fine. They're neat. But people need stuff to do. And so that's what we're really on about is let's create a system where people will come in and have stuff to do. Now, as a business, we're also a business. And so we do um, con we contract with projects like Avagachi or, or whoever else it is. And there's many that pay us to help create these and work on these. And as we go forward, uh, we are growing a community of builders so that we build an ecosystem, um, start overused buzzword term, but seriously, an ecosystem of people who like creating games and creating game assets and participate in a marketplace of ideas to buy and sell their ideas and let people use templates and build ever more interesting games. That's, it sounds like you're tapping into like 
pure 100% high concentrate engagement. Oh, yeah. Which is like a very powerful word in this, the year of our Lord, 2023. So um, how's it gone so far? Give me, give me the, give me your most exciting moment and then your medium most exciting moment. And then let's leave the bad stuff out. <laughs> um, two days after the texture launch, we go to their discord because we're all in the community. Like that, that's why we participated. We're in the community. It's cool. And every channel was talking about the infinity keys puzzle. Every channel. We're like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is a thing. And so we get together with the team and they're like, okay, we need to do more. Let's, let's, let's go fast and work on this. And so that was like, you know, one of these moments that stood out. There's a couple that are like that. Um, uh, people will, will launch a, a hunt, a challenge, and people will come from another community. Probably nothing was another one that went very well. Their community really enjoyed it. Um, and they, and they, and they get the link in the discord and they follow their, their brand Twitter. And so they go do it on infinity keys. And then there's a couple of things to do and you meet the treasure and it's fun. And then they come into our discord and they say, Hey, did this quest what's next? Got him. Like that's it. And so uh, what we're also building is a leveling system and progression that's kind of internal, not kind of, it's internal to infinity keys so that there's stuff to do. You come into our discord and you say, what's next? Okay, well now you can do these quests and level up to level one. And what's in level one? Oh, well, there's actually a library quest where you can go and do this. Well, what's the library quest? Well, that ties into one of these other infinity keys. So, so, so we've got, the, yeah, somebody's <laughs> saying, gotcha. Um, we, we have those hooks, those gamification hooks to keep you in our ecosystem so that you're involved. And, and that's that's what we try to do is get people involved, get people thinking about how, how do they want to make games. My golden goose, I don't know if that's the word for it, but the thing I'm looking forward to the most is when somebody who's not affiliated with a project like as, as the team comes in, they're a bag holder. And they say, you know what? I just want to promote this project that I like because I'm a bag holder and I think it's cool. I'm going to make my own. That's what I'm looking for. That's the juice. If any community member, instead of doing a stupid meme contest, which are 90% horrible, or retweet <laughs> contest, they're so bad. You've seen them. But if any community member says, okay, what can I do to help this project? Go make a quest. That's that's really cool, right? That's what a platform is good for. And it's not, and, and if you have the resources to actually make it good and make it engaging and tap into other communities. Oh, baby, now we're talking, right? That That's that flywheel effect. That's that community effect, that cross-pollination effect that composable assets let you do even more so. That's what we're about. That's the jam mm. right there. Uh, here, here's really another cool good. moment. This, uh, this, this dude comes in. He's got a Texture Punk um, profile picture, and you open it up. And my homeboy, Chair, he opens it up, and it says, here's the servers that you share with this person in Discord. And it's like, Abagachi, Texture Punks, Heroes of Evermore, probably nothing, Saga. It's like all the communities that we've worked with. So this person has like been through and done all of our stuff. That's our hypothesis. That's what we think is working is not every person is going to do everything we put out, but enough people are going to do everything and a lot of people are going to do a lot. Um, and, and if you make good games, if you make the games good and make it worth people coming and playing, they'll do that. So that's what we're about. So hence the Super name. Fun, man. Infinity keys because the keys can they go on infinitely because of the composability of, of NFT. Yeah, I know people don't like to talk about metaverse anymore, but I'm like an old school 90s virtual reality researcher. Like that that's the stuff I read coming up. Um and so I love the idea of metaverse. You know, I got I got snow crash right here. Like uh, I love the, all this stuff. Um 
So when I when I think about metaverses and virtual worlds, there's infinite virtual worlds. Let's give people a reason to go to them. Most of the metaverse projects I see, they're trying to give people a reason to stay in them. I want to give you a reason to go to all of them. Like let let's be the tourist center, right? Let let's be that questing center. Yeah. Man. That's a very man, you hit a lot of good points. Just I have no and I have like no push to want to go into anyone's metaverse metaverse, however cool it may seem. The stickiness isn't there. Like I tried, like the what are they called? The meta goggles or the VR goggles, yeah. and they were okay. You know, played yeah, Angry okay. Birds in 3D. I was like, look, I can touch the little red bird now. This is cute. And then that was about it. Like there was nothing that that kept me there. There's nothing keep me going with it. But anyways, I just speak for myself. Probably a lot of people that love the metaverse out there. So, um, a couple. There's um, I know. There's a lot. <laughs> So, um, other questions. So, now you're at Infinity Keys, not at. You are, for all intents and purposes. Infinity, Infinity Keys, Keys is, a, is a team and a community. It's not all me, but I am. This guy is so modest. I, love I am pretty involved. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you obviously have some highlights coming out the gate. What is your ultimate vision? Like, let's let's do one of those lame old questions. Like, one year from today, what does Infinity? What's going on at Infinity Keys? What kind of action are we seeing? Like, how many projects, or um, what's the reputation that you want for Infinity Keys? Like, let's let's give us a, like a one year forecast of what your vision for Infinity Keys is. Two things. It's two sided. There's one. There, there's supply and demand. Um, so so one. Oh, petty. Read that question because this is the answer. Okay, the, we're gonna, the, well, I actually, you want me to go shed the better question? I do Petty's version of the question because his version is a lot more articulate. I think I'm gonna do his version. Okay, okay, but first I'm gonna do the first half and then read his, and that'll be the second half because because there's two okay. things that that I see in a year. One is we're a successful business, and, and as a successful business, um, wildly successful business, if that is the case, that's what we're working towards. Is that um, the the same way you go look? Okay, I'm about to do some marketing. I need to do some content marketing. I need to be good for SEO. I got to write a blog. Every company's got to do that crap. Okay, I, I got a company. I need to promote myself. I got to start an Instagram, I guess. We're going to take pictures of our signage or something. Like, uh, Let's do that for challenges and quests. Hey, we're starting a business. We're starting a promotion. What challenges, what achievements are we going to do? That's where I, That's where I want to be. And I think there's a really good reason to do that stuff. It's because content marketing, um, push marketing, all this sort of stuff that's based on SEO and catchwords, they don't it doesn't work. It's not very effective. You're throwing your money out the window and it's doing nothing. Right now, the way that you get good engagement is you do experiential marketing. You build events and you build games and you do these sorts of things. But it's crazy expensive to do that. It is in the millions of dollars in some cases. Or like if you put it on a, on a conference to get people in the door and work with them, it's so exorbitantly expensive it's ridiculous so this is this is the niche right here is let's do it at way lower pricing so that people can do virtual quests take advantage of distributed virtual um, society and still give people stuff to do and those experiences and communities to be a part of so uh, uh, that's a, a major goal is like let it be a no-brainer for any business who comes up you're gonna put out an album all right let's set up a quest because you got to do it. Let's get the games going on and let's tie it into the other albums in this, um, uh, in this, uh, producer's catalog in this labels catalog or whatever it is. That's my business, uh, um, sort of dream and ideals and goals. And that's what I'm striving for. 
It makes total sense to me. If you're playing one game and getting achievements, let's do them in all the other games and mix them all together. Um, web two or web three, put them all together and make it. So, so that's goal number one as a business, just be a go-to and let, let's find a price point that works for people. And let's find an, an offering that works for people and make sure that this is successful, successful and scalable business. So people can come and build what they need to with templates and tested versions and things like that. Now ask Petty's question because this is part two. Oh, you're muted, homie. Black Zordon. You're muted, Zordon. I muted myself. And then a petty question. In the event of IK massive success, uh, Infinity Keys, of course, uh, what emergent social phenomenon do you hope to see? So um, emergence is... See if I got my emergence book back here. Um, emergence is a really cool phenomenon that stems from complex systems, um, and not just complicated system, but mathematically complex systems. And what happens is, is you get um, so many variables and so many different like components in these systems that interact in, in in ways that sometimes there are emergent phenomena that are almost unpredictable, um, depending on your math model. If you get something like the weather, we figured that out, but most of the other ones are pretty unpredictable still. Um, but but stuff comes out of them that you can't quite ex expect. If Infinity Keys has success the way I suspect it is, then it is ripe to become a complex system. And by that, I mean, if we've got um, uh, rewards, those are like kind of assets, and we've got connections between um, quests and composability, we've got different actors and different participants, people creating, people solving, that creates this web, this network, a layered network of composable quests and achievements for anything for games, for NFT projects, for financial products, for uh, a geo locations, like just walking down the street, getting exercise, attaching your watch to it, the weather, the support scores, anything that you can bring into a blockchain through an Oracle or, or whatever it happens to be, we can make, but like we can track and make that a composable, uh, not a composable, but make that um, a rewardable, something that you can uh, uh, use to unlock something else, infinite keys. That's like this insane ecosystem for emergent phenomena to come about and i don't know what those are um but that's what i'm really excited about is to let's see let's make that happen let's see what happens if we get these things together and make these systems flow um if people can talk to each other in in this language of games uh, i don't know what's gonna happen but uh i think it'll be cool to find out you're still muted zordon come back i said yeah man i like to hear your um the problem is I'm not muted in my headphones. So I start talking and I'm like, I was clearly talking. I'll tell you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's very fun and refreshing to see your passion because sometimes like crypto has gotten so dense now. It's hard to find that. It's nowhere near as easy as it used to be finding that passion and that joy. And that's really refreshing to see. And emergence is a hard thing to tackle. Um, I have a, Corey and I have a mutual friend who likes to study emergence in his free time trying to come up with a mathematical formula of emergence. And I was like, I don't know, man, if that's possible. But yeah, yeah. You know, you read John Holland. John Holland is uh, the kind of go-to scholar. He's passed away a couple years ago, but um, about complex adaptive systems. And, and you know, for any scientific pursuit, you got to define your pieces first. And so that's still where complex adaptive systems are, is there's some pop versions that, say it's simpler than that but really it's it's still uh, in a phase where you, you've got to really label your pieces and and the connections between them data mm -hmm. science started that and big data started that but it's still 
not quite um, there. It's, it's still being developed, which it's a cool field it study is. because it's like this meta field that applies yeah. to every other field and, and things like that. But it seems so chicken, chicken eggy, you know, one of those chicken egg situations that life puts you in a lot. It's like, which one of these got here first? Let's try to figure that out. And so you're going to be there forever, man. Good luck. But anyways, enough about emergence and my stupid ass view on it. And we're gonna go pull. We're gonna go ask the audience again. We now have a Jesse question, uh, kicking it back to the personal side of personals. Are you excited for one D and D and the new D and D movie? I'm always excited for D and D movie. Uh, I'm a Critical Role fan. I love Critical Role and I love the Vox Machina show. Um, I am so I'll, I'll watch. I, I like the Warcraft movie. It was bad. It was dumb. But like I'll watch. I like. I like whatever. Um, I think a lot of serious thoughts a lot of the time. So I just like watching dumb movies where they cast spells and blow up skeletons. Like, I don't really care. Uh, as for D&D <laughs> 1, I have not beta tested and I have not done the homework to see how it's different. I really like 5e. Um, I came up in 2.5 and 4, and 4 was atrocious. But um, uh, I really like 5e and the way that went. It simplified things. And so um, I don't know. Maybe I'll be an old curmudgeon who wants to stick with 5e. But um We'll see. What, what, I'll try it out. I, so I'm still a gamer, but I don't play competitively and I don't play like I don't always play to win. I play to find the mechanics of the system. So I play um, Marvel Snap right now. It's like this little card battler. <laughs> and I don't even care if I win, but um, there's a particular combination that's really hard to pull off that I figured out. And nobody else plays <laughs> except for me for some reason. I've never seen anybody else do it. But I just like doing that because I want to see if I can pull it off. And when I do, it's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. And it's like results in the <laughs> breaking the game and 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 that sort of thing. That's how I like to play. So when it comes to DT1, what I'm really interested in is like, well, what are the mechanics? How does it make people play? How does it lead to better storytelling or different storytelling and things like that? So yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm always excited for a new game now that I think about nice. it. Nice. You see, when you come visit me, we gotta pull out my eight box set of Dominion that I haven't been able to touch. It's a board game that oh. is a deck building game that I fell in love with at the tail end of my college career and went hard body and bought five hundred dollars worth of this game. And <laughs> yeah, I got a few expansions. And now everyone knew that I didn't know that like new people you meet in your life aren't into that. So I'm like, you want to play this three hour long board game? It's really fun. And compo- like it's, you're going to have a blast. And they're like, it's only three hours. If you got to take five minutes to read each card, come on, yeah. like, let's go. Come on. We know I what pull this out the is. instruction manual notebook that I had to make with a three hole punch. And I'm here's, like, here's a weird hobby. Gonna be good. This is not a hobby. I should say, but this is um, something that uh, feeds my soul is I like watching how other people explain new board games. I think it's it's really fascinating. Um, and I love explaining board games that people haven't played before. Oh, yeah, I'm a total masochist, Petty. But but um, like listening to see how people construct, like what, what do you do? I'm a, a game scholar. And so I have spent a lot of time like, here's how we're going to explain this game. Here's how I'm going to learn this game and things like that. But But that sort of thing. That's a UX issue. That's a UI problem that crypto has. Is like, how do you, where do you start? How do you explain this stuff and how to use it and what to do? Um, our private keys and our ghost walking, right? Like, like this sort of stuff is exactly like part of this. Um, you know, what are the the appendices and the rule books and how do you deal with these sorts of things? I think it's a really fascinating uh, exercise. So, you're knee deep in. This is an interesting question. This might be one the audience. How do you? 
Are you building these quests at Infinity Keys manually? Or is there a set of templated quests? Or like how, let's kick it a little bit back to the question of massive IK success. And these quests are coming out of you know, thin air. Is a your team there at Infinity Keys that's like, I'm gonna take this quest, I'm gonna create it from scratch, I'm making the art, I'm doing the stuff. Or do you have a different process? Like how a little bit more does it work there behind it, the scenes? If we are successful, anybody should be able to come and do those things. So the, you need to think about um, right now, we set it up. Excuse me. Somebody can come to us and say, hey, I've planned out the treasure and the text and, and all that stuff. And people do. We, we just had that last week. Somebody came and three page Google Doc thing. It was like, okay, we're going to just put, put it up and make it happen. Um, we do a fair amount of that now because we want to make sure the product, the way the challenges are, fit the product, things like that. But but that's the goal is that people should be able to come and determine here's the core things that I need to make this challenge and, and put that up. And there's a lot of ways to accomplish that. Like how do you get good art? Well, in a Discord community, you can set up a mid-journey bot or a stable diffusion bot and 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 train a model to have a particular consistent art uh, a theme. Petty, I want to talk to you about that, by the way. Um, and you could do the same thing for, well, ostensibly, you could do the same thing for a chat GPT. You can have sort of a theme and a specific set of parameters for text to come out in a particular way. So what does that look like? I'm not quite sure yet, but the intent should be people can come with text and then set it up themselves, WYSIWYG, you know, a software platform to do that. Now, if that software platform works, th the reason I want to do it is so I can make whatever I want, right? And I can make multi-step ones and I can put different images on there and I can link to other sites and I can embed games in there and all those sorts of things. Um, so, so that is really the intent. Now, if you're making a game, there's a few things. Do, do we make every game from scratch? No, there's a few things we know from experience and testing that work really well. So first off, make a game and then whatever you make make it two or three steps easier than it is at least that's like thing one just dumb it down make it easier um and there's a lot of good reasons for that mainly is because um you're not making a game to find the one you're not looking for jesus or neo or harry <laughs> potter you're not looking for that person you're making a game for people to play and people play things, right? There's many, many people who play things in different ways. And, and guess what? If you make a game that's a little bit easy and somebody beats it, they still feel pretty good. They feel smarter than you. Now they feel like they've won and now you've got a great relationship. That's a huge success for a game. You want people to be able to beat your game. And most people, when they come in, if they're not thinking about game design, they're like, how do I make this nice and, and challenging? So it's a good reward. Uh, you kind of got to flip your thinking there. Um, but but if you are uh, uh, making a game, some things to keep in mind is um, what is your uh, what's the payoff, and that can be a tangible reward. You can give people tokens or you know NFT or a gift, or you can give them a high five. You can level up. What's you know there, there's all sorts of stuff that's payoff um, that you want to give people. Think about that and make that a part of it. What's the challenge? What do they got to do to get the payoff? And thinking about. Uh, Dark Souls does go against that theory. So Jesse says Dark Souls go against that theory. It does, but it's a particular niche game. And it's it, it's a very, very specific niche game that does well because of its meme. And there's not that much room for those in the market. Not everybody can make a Dark Souls. Um, there's just no not enough room. Um, so so you got to have the, uh, the payoff. 
you got to have a challenge, something to do to get the payoff. And that challenge has to be balanced. And then you got to have uh, the context, the, the lore surrounding that, the theme. And so that's kind of what to come with the game with uh, and, and that we help find people, people find a template. What's a good challenge to find a word for a password? Um, and, there, and there's a bunch of different challenges and templates that you, you can apply and, and get people to do. Um, that's, that, very that, that's what we supply. It's like the difference between like Zelda and Elden Ring. Like a lot more people are probably going to play Zelda because, you know, they don't like the torture that is a Dark Souls game. But anyway, not just gonna way more people still play Breath of the Wild that came out six years, seven years ago or whatever it is compared to Elden Ring. I, I bet you for sure. Still interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, casual games, mobile games, the games where you like log in and you collect your stuff and then leave. Those are the most popular games on the planet. They're not hard. They're not challenging you. They're not teaching you life lessons. It's Farmville just now instead of back then. And they hit on such huge success because they tapped into this uh, massive demographic of people who just like to do that. I like to do that. I'm a hardcore gamer. I got a PhD in games, but you know what? I still like collecting my gems like because that it's this, you know, human sort of experience. It's still a game. It's just a game that you might be used to. I call those leg numbers because you're usually playing them. Well, you know, maybe you got to take a trip to the porcelain pony. And while I'm here, I might as well collect my gems and upgrade my tent. You know what I mean? The leg goes numb while you're selling the porcelain pony. Anyways, um, let's, 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 let's get to our, uh, let's get to our trademark questions. And these questions are trademarks. So if you try to bite them, rest of everyone in the world, we're going to come after your ass. Um, they're not trademarked. I'm sorry. I just wanted to, has some drama in this episode, uh, but we did them first. So, by the way, uh, the first is: Is there anything you feel uh, I should have asked you that I didn't? Oh man, I thought of one or before we started, and I've forgotten it because I got very excited. Um, <laughs> what is? Uh, so there are a lot of conversations I've had with Petty that I would like to continue having with other people. Um, you know, the value of academia, we kind of touched on um, the problems with peer review, things, things that are, are in science, um, the potential for decentralized science. Like, oh, man, I think we should dig into that sometime. But not now. Now's not not fine. Eat Denver. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk. And, and there's a lot of stuff like in the crypto industry. Um, like it, you know, we kind of talked about how do you get involved and things like that. I think there's a lot of people out there who are still wondering, how do I get involved? And what do I do? Um, there's a lot of potential there. But we don't have to talk about that now. I got time. Hit me in the slack. This question, although not a trademark question, is a question, uh, Coven, that I should have asked during the interview. Uh, did you keep your Tamagotchi alive? No, um, but I, <laughs> like way more people than you would imagine, uh, gr- gruesomely murdered Sims. Many people play the Sims. <laughs> to see like what can i do with these people and uh, this is a a, a well-studied phenomenon that p- people now are talking about but didn't at the time but like what happens if i just like let people go swimming and then take out all the ladders <laughs> there's rings of tombstones oh around God. swimming pools <laughs> oh the the torture that people you people go through the, the easiest one besides the swimming pool is um you build a house with no doors and you take out the toilets 
and it it turns into this horror fest. And I don't know what the the state of Jesus, it is now. Man. Back in the Sims two, what are you doing to these fake people? No, no, this is a well established phenomenon. I'm you test the boundaries <laughs> of the game, the mechanics of the game. What does it let you do? What happens? Like that's, that's all that good. sort of stuff. On Roller Coaster Tycoon, I used to build the inclines with no decline, so they just kind of shot off the rail and exploded. Uh, but, you know, I was still making money, so my park was dope, so it doesn't matter. Um, the other trademark question is, as the founder of Infinity Keys, is what you do actually hard? Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> um, it's not the hardest thing I've ever done. Hardest thing I've ever done is parenting. Um, but... Uh, <clears throat> Good news for all you parents out there. Um, but it, it is very difficult. Uh, it is a massive amount of information and making the best decision you have with the best information that you have and then being committed to that and making making it work. And, you know, it, it, it's tough. Um, it's way easier to work for people than to have people work for you. That's uh, that's one thing that you know, I knew and people say, but like it's a different, it's a different sort of thing. It's hard. It's really hard. And last, here, no, one more thing. At smart people, many smart people give me really good advice all the time. And that advice is often conflicting. They're smart. It's good advice. It makes sense. But it means I do this, 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 or this. Which one? They're all smart people. That's why it's hard. It's like you, you just got to do the best thing you can. And if you ignore somebody's <laughs> advice, then they're like, all right, well, fuck you. <laughs> you didn't listen to me. And I'm like, I had to do something. Uh, right uh, it, it's really tough so fun it's also the most fun thing i've ever done it's just a blast also besides parenting that that's actually the most fun thing um but second most fun thing i've ever done second most hard thing i've ever done i've never heard leadership slash management defined like that before that's very articulate that's very uh that's very insightful actually you've got all these great people on your team giving you great ideas you got to pick one of them, knowing you're going to piss somebody off. Like, <laughs> that's what it is. One of you guys going to be pissed. And I'm not going to any mini mind mow this. So get get with it. Um, well, one guy told me to go um, pick up Disney as a client. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, of course, right? But like, <laughs> and I could do that. I, be I, I believe that I could do that. I have that confidence. But if I did that, I would abandon all this other stuff that is probably more likely to happen. And so, like, like, like that it's stuff like that yeah yeah sure I, I could do that but what do i what am i sacrificing if i do that or you know things like that choose a chain pick one chain to build on same thing it's like okay if i choose one chain then i gotta do this other stuff it's tough it's tough and very last question i hope you're ready it is probably the most difficult question you'll ever be asked on any podcast in 10 words or less can you describe infinity keys I thought I was going to describe Bitcoin. Oh, I think we're past that. I think. I don't know. We might revisit it one day. What are you looking for? What are you doing? Oh, that guy. I forgot about that guy. Yeah, we got a book. It's out there in the wild. I'm an OG. Yeah, all we right? wrote it. It exists. <laughs> I forgot all about that damn thing. Yeah, whatever. On Amazon, I think. Still, maybe. Probably not. Anyways. You got 30 seconds to answer this question. <laughs> uh, gamified task reward platform. It's four words. This man can distill down his vision in less than 10 words. 
That means he's on to something. Made out of magic. <laughs> I don't know. 